gold standard. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting-edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Well, welcome everyone to the Dr. Hedberg Show. This is Dr. Hedberg. And today I'm going to be talking about how to heal adverse childhood experiences. So in the last episode, I talked about the connection between ACEs, which are adverse childhood experiences, and Hashimoto's disease. And we went over some of the research on that. And uh, in this this podcast uh, with an associated article on drhedberg.com, I'm going to go through all the things that you can actually do to heal your adverse childhood experiences. So if you haven't taken the ACE survey, it's readily available online, and I've got the PDF linked to on drhedberg.com on this article. And I did go through that in the last episode, but if you scored a one or higher on the ACE survey, then this article is definitely a one you want to read and uh, to find out what you can do. So the higher your ACE score, the more likely you are to have health problems as an adult. And once you get to a score of four or higher, then it starts to get uh, fairly serious in the connections between ACEs and disease as an adult. So if you're someone who's been doing everything right or trying to do things right with your diet and exercise, sleeping well, managing stress, but you just can't seem to get better, you may want to look more deeply at your ACEs. So a lot of what I'm going over today comes from the book called Childhood Disrupted, How Your Biography Becomes Your Biology and How You Can Heal by Donna Jackson Nakazawa. I highly, highly recommend this book if you have an A score of one or more. So let's jump right in. So the first therapy that I recommend for ACEs is called Somatic Experiencing. And Somatic Experiencing was started by Dr. Peter Levine to help people overcome trauma. So according to Dr. Levine, humans have a much more difficult time overcoming trauma than animals. So animals can easily shake off trauma. You'll see them do that after they've been attacked or, or traumatized in some way. Their whole body will shake and uh, they just move on and go about their business. They're able to shake it off. It, they reset their autonomic nervous system. Humans, though, when we get traumatized, it, it can stick. It gets stuck in the nervous system, in the brain. And that's because of our, our prefrontal cortex comes in with its beliefs and rational thoughts and putting all this extra stuff onto the trauma. And we just can't seem to break free of it uh, compared to animals. So these traumas get stored in the body and they get stuck, and a skilled somatic experiencing practitioner can give you specific exercises to do uh, 
to help reintegrate with your body. So when you're traumatized, you dissociate from certain parts of your body as a protective mechanism, but it wears you down uh, over time. And somatic experiencing can help you break that trauma loop that you're stuck in. So I've personally done somatic experiencing for some of my own traumas. It's been very, very useful, very, very helpful. Dr. Levine's first book is called Waking the Tiger, and I read that first. And uh, he has a few other books out there. And they're fairly ubiquitous somatic experiencing practitioners. You can go to Dr. Peter Levine's website, which is the Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute. And that's at traumahealing.org. And you can just search for a practitioner based on your location and your zip code. Uh, The second one that I highly recommend is EMDR, also known as eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. This was also designed to help people overcome trauma. And it works by uh, thinking about negative memories while you're rapidly moving your eyes back and forth, similar to when you're in REM sleep, the rapid eye movement sleep. And so it's usually done... Uh, with a therapist, and you are staring at, uh, there's a a bar, horizontal bar with lights on it, and the lights flash uh, back and forth, and you follow that light, and so your eyes are moving rapidly back and forth, and then you'll have two devices in each hand, and these vibrate in specific patterns. So you're getting the eye input, and then the vibration input into your hands while you're thinking about the the trauma or the memory. And so research has shown that this will result in dissipation of those emotions and stress reactions that are associated with, with bad memories and trauma. So I've done EMDR before. It was very, very helpful. And as with any therapy, you want to find a, a skilled therapist in EMDR to help you overcome trauma, PTSD. So EMDR, it's also been shown to decrease activity of the amygdala. Remember, the amygdala is the the alarm center of the brain that gets wound up from stress and trauma. And uh, that begins to fire. It's a more primitive part of the brain, but it fires when you're, you're traumatized or under attack or under stress. And then that starts the cascade going up into the, the rest of the brain. So EMDR calms that down. And it also increases the size of the hippocampus. And so the hippocampus is really important for emotional processing and memory. So EMDR is, along with somatic experiencing, it's definitely one of my top choices for healing childhood trauma. And then psychotherapy, just traditional psychotherapy, is is beneficial for for pretty much everyone, no matter what you're dealing with. It's great to have a third-party objective view of your life and your feelings, someone to talk to. They can give you insights that you haven't thought about before. And some people make the mistake of using a priest, minister, friend, or family member as the person they talk to, and that's a big big mistake. There's no substitute for a mental health professional trained in psychotherapy who can give you the best treatment and guidance. 
Now, unfortunately, our society, some in our society still view seeing a therapist as a weakness, but it's actually a strength. And it doesn't get enough uh, attention or funding because uh, y- your mental health, it's really the bedrock of everything about you and how you feel. So it really has to be the number one priority for everyone. And sometimes it's a matter of just finding the right therapist. So you can't just go to one and you don't really like it or you guys didn't click and then that's it. Sometimes you have to go to two or three or four different therapists until you find the right fit for you. So I actually have I have more respect for mental health professionals than any other branch of healthcare because there's the service they provide it's more important and it's more beneficial than any other form of treatment so you don't want to to overlook that and most well not most but a, a fair amount of of therapists psychologists masters level therapists are trained in either EMDR or somatic experiencing so you'll get the best of both worlds. The next therapy I recommend is neurofeedback or electroencephalographic neurofeedback. This has been shown to improve brain function. And so neurofeedback basically brings some of the brain networks that are interrupted by trauma back into balance. So the the simplest way to think of neurofeedback is to view the brain as a symphony orchestra. And when someone is traumatized, one or more of the sections of the orchestra, they're no longer playing uh, or playing in, uh, they're no longer playing in sync with the rest of the instruments. So neurofeedback, it brings these, these abnormal instruments back into harmony with the rest of the orchestra. So neurofeedback, it's, it's fairly readily available now. Um, usually psychologists do it or master's level therapists some chiropractors do neurofeedback just make sure you you work with someone who has experience dealing with trauma and ptsd Uh, but that's a, a great great therapy so next is mindfulness meditation and it's really interesting because if you do brain scans of individuals who have experienced adverse childhood experiences, they actually have smaller areas of the brain that process inflammation, loving relationships, and how to deal with stress. So that means more inflammation, more difficulty in relationships, greater difficulty handling stress. So now the good news is that meditation... Uh, or it's also known as mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR. This has actually been shown to change our brains back to normal. So mindfulness meditation, uh, it reduces inflammation, and it improves how we respond to stress. In fact, so those who meditate, they actually recover from stress much more quickly than those who don't. So If you're an experienced meditator and you're under stress and you get a spike in cortisol, your cortisol levels will actually come down much more quickly than those who don't meditate. So you recover much faster. 
and there's there's solid research on meditation uh, very specifically for improving anxiety, depression, pain, mental focus, cardiovascular health. Um, it also improves empathy and concern towards others. It helps with speech and uh, physical impairments. It just improves overall sense of well-being. It's free. It's easy to do. It's easy to learn. And it's actually been shown to increase density of the gray matter in the hippocampus. And I mentioned, remember I mentioned earlier, the hippocampus is very important for memory and stress regulation and processing your emotions. So it also reduces fearfulness. Um, I've written an article previously on meditation. I linked to that in this article where I have all the recommended apps that I like. You can just uh, use these apps on your iPhone or Android phone, and they'll teach you how to do mindfulness-based meditation. Or you can go to a class or find a teacher, and uh, very, very easy to learn. Now, some people do have difficulty with meditation just sitting still or it just doesn't seem to work for them. One other option is called guided imagery. Guided imagery, it's kind of been known as the lazy person's meditation because basically you're working with a, a practitioner or listening to an audio track and it's guiding you through the process. So it basically involves um, the guide instructs you to picture something in your mind so your eyes are closed and you're in your imagination and it just walks you through what you should think about and what you should envision in your imagination. And so guided imagery is a little bit more active in the mind, but it does, it has been shown to help with a number of things uh, like stress and pain and overcoming trauma. So I, I recommend that if meditation just doesn't seem to quite work for you. Another kind of meditation is called loving kindness meditation, also known as meta. This is a great way to heal past and present relationships. It's basically done by giving compassion to yourself and then to others. And so forgiveness is a part of this. Now, it's hard to forgive other people, but sometimes it's even harder to forgive yourself. I'm, I'm extremely hard on myself. Um, I know a lot of people are. I'm, I'm harder on myself than I would ever be on another person. And I would never treat another person the way that I actually talk to myself in my own head. So that's something to think about when you're, when you're being really hard on yourself. And this is where loving kindness meditation can really help. So I'm not going to go through the entire meditation, uh, but I do have all the things that you say during the loving kindness meditation on the website. Um, but basically you are, you're sending, um, a message to yourself and then you send the same message to someone who is close to you. And then you do it again. This could be someone you don't really know all that well, just like your mailman or a coworker or a hairdresser. And then, finally, you 
you do the loving kindness meditation towards someone who's caused you pain or has harmed you in the past. Don't start with someone who's really traumatized you. Just start with someone who's who's hurt you in the past and you go through the loving kindness and uh and then finally you do it you just send it out to everyone all human beings and then if you're an animal lover like me send it to all animals as well. But I'll go through this every once in a while just to kind of go through all the people in my life. And it really works. I mean, you'll experience a, a kind of a renewed sense of calm and you'll feel like a big weight has been lifted off your shoulders. And then forgiveness is is the next thing that I recommend. It it's kind of ties in with the loving kindness meditation. Uh, but this can be very specific uh, to people who have hurt you. So... Now, Dr. James Gordon, he founded the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C. He recommends that you, so you sit comfortably in a chair with your eyes closed like you would during meditation, and then you imagine someone who you feel resentment or anger towards, so you envision them sitting across from you, and you look at that person you say, I forgive you for whatever you may have done to harm me, intentional or unintentional. I forgive you. And uh, you just work through that, continuing with deep breathing. And then next you actually ask someone else for forgiveness that you have hurt. And so you can go through the think about people in your life who you may have have uh, verbally or, or physically abused or hurt in some way. And you ask them to forgive you. And then you can do it to yourself. So you envision yourself sitting across from you and you go through the same forgiveness talk um, asking uh, to forgive yourself. And then you can actually, kind of like loving kindness, you can forgive all beings on the planet. So um, if you go through this, it... You know, it can be difficult at first, but after a while, you just won't really think about the same people anymore who have hurt you because you've really gone through this forgiveness exercise or the loving kindness meditation. And eventually you will, will have just kind of cleared out everyone who who uh, has hurt you and everyone who's who you have hurt you've asked for forgiveness and received that. Next is Tai Chi and Qigong, which is basically moving meditation. So these are just slow and gentle movements started in Asia. It's practiced by, you know, large numbers of Asians on a daily basis, usually outside in nature, in the park. Uh, It can be done anywhere, though. And anything you can do in nature is going to be good for your immune system and your stress hormones. Uh, So check with your local yoga studios. Sometimes they have Tai Chi classes or just search for for Tai Chi or Qigong classes in general. And um, you should be able to find a a teacher or a class in your area. And again, this, this can be good for someone who has difficulty sitting still and doing meditation. 
The next thing I recommend is yoga. So yoga is interesting because brain scans have shown that after you do yoga, there's actually decreased blood flow to the amygdala. And remember, the amygdala is the alarm system of the brain. And it also, brain scans also show that there's blood flow increased to the frontal lobe and the prefrontal cortex. So these are important for emotional stability and making rational choices. Yoga has also been shown to increase the neurochemical GABA. GABA has a calming effect on the brain and the nervous system. A lot of people are depleted of GABA from chronic stress, and that leads to muscle tension, insomnia, anxiety, depression. So yoga classes are also great. Uh, they can be somewhat social. Um, I've kind of I've gotten to know my yoga teacher and most of the people in, in the yoga class I go to. So you get some a sense of support and community when you go. Uh, those kinds of, of meaningful interactions with other people, those have been shown to increase oxytocin in the brain, and oxytocin lowers inflammation. And then you can also tap into to certain muscles that are really tight, especially the psoas muscle. So the psoas is known as the fight-or-flight muscle. It tenses up when you're under stress, especially when you're sitting. It's The muscle is very deep in the abdomen and, and the lower back and pelvis. It runs from the lumbar spine and the discs through the pelvis to the hips. And uh, you can get a deep stretch in there, and that can help to unlock the the lower back and the abdominal organs and the pelvis and the hips. So you'll feel a greater sense of ease when you're moving and walking. Because when you sit for long periods of time, the, the psoas muscle shortens, and that can exacerbate its tightness. So yoga is great if you can't find a class. Um, there's many, many uh, like YouTube videos that take you through a yoga, and you can also uh, buy different you know, Blu-rays and DVDs that will teach you yoga as well. The next thing I highly recommend is body work. So this is, you know, massage therapy, basically. And human touch is a powerful healing modality for people who are trying to heal their ACEs. So massage has been shown to lower cortisol and it improves healthy neurotransmitter levels like serotonin, dopamine, GABA, and adrenaline. So a lot of people aren't getting enough human touch because they're single or they're in a relationship that no longer involves much intimacy. So there are a lot of different types of body work. You just need to find a skilled body worker that you trust. I like to kind of mix it up. So I'll do Swedish massage, deep tissue massage, and then I really like Thai massage. Thai puts you in a lot of different positions and stretches. Uh, the, it's, so it's a little bit more active than, than just lying on the table. So I like to do a, a mix of that, but there are many, many different types out there like Shatsu and, um, Traeger and there's all different kinds of body work therapy. N- none of them are really better than the other, no matter what they claim. It's really just about the human touch and human interaction that is, giving you all those benefits.
The next recommendation is is known as actually writing to heal. And this is an exercise used by uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel and also used by or studied by James Pennebaker. He's a psychology professor. And so he recommends writing. So just for the next four days, you write down your deepest emotions and thoughts all about the emotional upheaval that has been influencing your life the most. So in your writing, you want to really let go and explore the event and how it has affected you. You might tie this experience to your childhood, your relationship with your parents, people you have loved or you love now, or even your career. And you write continuously for 20 minutes a day. And uh, Dr. Pennebaker, he's found that that simple short-term writing exercise, just after four days, it actually improved memory and learning. It improved immune system function, decreases doctor visits, and more research was done at Carnegie Mellon, and they found that writing like that, it decreased heart rate responses to stress, and it improved cardiovascular responses to stress. So remember, your immune system is the master operating system of your body. And just simply writing down your feelings about your childhood and your stressors as an adult, that's been shown to improve immune system balance. So all you need is uh, something to write with and some paper. And uh, another easy thing is art therapy. And Dr. Bernie Siegel, who I just mentioned, also uses this. So he asked people to just draw anything that comes to mind. So you might want to choose, you draw an outdoor scene or a picture of your family and just kind of see what images come up. And then you put your drawing away and you look at it the next day to analyze it. And you think of it as if you're interpreting a dream. And so it might give you some insights into your childhood or, or your adult so a lot of traumas, of course, they reside in the subconscious mind and they continually disrupt our thoughts, our beliefs, and our emotions. And so drawing can help unmask those issues and they give you better insight into your health. And again, all you need is, is something to draw with and paper. Next is hypnosis. Hypnosis is a, a tried and true uh, therapy. It's been around a long time, fairly well researched. This, the key is really finding an experienced hypnotist who you trust. Uh, personally, I had a horrible experience with a hypnotist who just really overstepped his expertise. Um, but that's fairly uncommon. So just make sure that the person is properly credentialed and and has good references. Hypnosis basically taps into the subconscious mind. And uh, a skilled hypnotist, it'll take you places in the subconscious mind that have been repressed, and it'll give you new insight into your life and set you on a good path for healing. So I do highly recommend hypnosis. Again, it's just a matter of, of finding the right therapist. Lastly is healing your gut. Um, a lot of what I do in my practice is, is helping patients heal their guts. So 90% of the cells in your body aren't human. Uh, only 10% are actually human. 
the other 90% are microbes. So we're more microbe than we are human. And these microbes really regulate everything. I mean, they regulate our immune system, our nervous system, our brain, our mood, uh, inflammation. So much is, is done in the gut. In fact, the gut-brain axis, it's bidirectional, and it's so intimate that you can't really discuss them as separate entities. Everything that you're thinking about affects your gut, and everything that's happening in your gut affects your brain. And that's why they, they call the gut the second brain. All the neurotransmitters in the brain, they're also found in the gut. And 95% of the serotonin in the body is made in the gut. So it's huge when it comes to to your your brain and trauma and how you're feeling. So if you have depression, anxiety, insomnia, brain fog, poor memory, mood swings, you really need a, a thorough evaluation of your gut health. I mean, 70% of your immune system is in the gut. And that's, I mean, that's the master operating system of the body. So you really have to have to address that. Not only that, but your mood, it affects how the bacteria in your gut actually behave and their diversity. So the longer you're under stress, the more likely your gut bacteria are to change their behavior and that can negatively affect how you feel. So your gut bacteria, they communicate directly with your nervous system and the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve, it's a major part of your parasympathetic nervous system, and that's your rest and digest part of the autonomic nervous system. So there's direct connections there. So I order a stool analysis on, I mean, I would probably say 98% plus of the patients I see we do a stool analysis so that we can see if there are any parasites or yeast overgrowth, bacterial dysbiosis, viruses, inflammation, malabsorption, digestive health, immune function, a gluten, antibody. All those things are, are tested in a good stool analysis. And so a lot of times this is a really vital uh, key to unlocking many patients' health and getting them well is is healing their gut. So if you've taken the ACE survey, you also want to take the resilience survey. And I've got the resilience survey up on drhedberg.com with this article. And resilience is important. So your resilience is determined by your genetics and if you have a, a high resiliency score, so these are the people who you know who have really overcome some insurmountable obstacles in life, but they still turn out to be you know healthy and productive human beings. And so these are people who may have had some aces or high aces, but they also have very high resiliency. And so they end up doing well because of that. But don't be discouraged if your, your A score is high and your resiliency is low. That just means that you're going to have to work a little bit harder and it's going to take a little bit more time uh, to get well. So the, the resilience survey, it's, it's 14 questions. So I urge you to take that and find out your resiliency score. And so that's it. Um, 
go to drhedberg.com under articles. Uh, you'll see this up there. It's called um, How to Heal Adverse Childhood Experiences. And I have everything on there We I talked about today. So a lot more specifics in the article that you can follow. I have an A score of five. And so I've actually done every single recommendation that I went over today um, over many, many years. And that's just what it took uh, to get well. And, you know, I still work on it. But uh, all of these I've done myself. I know they all uh, help quite a bit. I meditate every day. I get body work regularly. I go to a therapist when when I need it. Um, I do yoga. And I'm going to be getting into Tai Chi now. So all these things are, are readily available. And if you, need, if you need to, just start with one. Uh, many of these are free and easy to do, like uh, the art therapy or the writing therapy or the meditation. All these things are, are easy to do and, and don't cost you anything. All right, so this is Dr. Hedberg. So give these a shot. And I really think that this could be the the missing link to you getting well if you just haven't been able to break through your uh, your healing journey. Take care. This is Dr. Hedberg, and we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G dot com to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.